Well, I was reading devotionally recently from Genesis chapter 45, and it struck me profoundly. And it may not, it's probably not profound for anybody else, it may not strike you as it did me, but I just wanted to take a few moments to, to share with you some, some thoughts about perspective in God's work in our lives today. First, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would put these thoughts together, that you would make them encouraging for all of us, that you would give us your perspective so that we could live your way in this time. Through Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, the passage I was reading was uh, Genesis chapter 45. Joseph is the second in command uh, in Egypt. His brothers have come to him to get food. It says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. And so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept loudly, so loudly, loudly the Egyptians heard it and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? They couldn't answer him because they were terrified in his presence. They had sold him into slavery, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 years earlier at this point. And now, um, you know, they're wondering, uh-oh, is he going to get us back? Then Joseph, maybe it was 15 years earlier. Huh, we're guessing. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, the one you sold to, into Egypt. Listen to what he says here. Now, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for two years and there will be and there will be five more years ahead without plowing or harvesting. Yeah, so it would be about 15 years since he was uh, sold into slavery. Um, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over the land of Egypt. I was really struck. That's one of the most dramatic scenes, I think, in the Bible. A little backstory as we review, when Joseph's a little guy, a younger man, in his teen years, God gives him dreams that one day his brothers and his father will bow down before him. And his brothers aren't real, don't love to hear. It's a mixed, it's a, it's a blended family. And his brothers are from other mothers and they don't like him. There's already tension. He's his, Joseph is his father's favorite. And one day his father sends Joseph out to spy on his brothers and his brothers see him coming from a distance and they say, let's kill him. And after they think about that for a while, they, say, they see some slave traders coming by. I say, no, let's not kill them. Let's make some money off of them. And so they sell, sell, sell them to some Ishmaelites. And they take him down into Egypt. And when they take him into Egypt, they sell him to Potiphar, who's the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. And while he's in the Pharaoh's, while he's in Potiphar's house, he does really well until Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He resists her seduction. She gets angry. She accuses him of attempted rape. It's not true. Joseph gets thrown into prison. 13 years pass where Joseph is a slave and, in, and then in prison. And then one day, because of a whole series of events, 
The, well, the, the Pharaoh has a couple of nasty dreams in the middle of the night. Nobody can translate them, interpret them. And so the, uh, the cupbearer of the king says, hey, I know a guy when I was in jail who interpreted my dreams. Maybe he can interpret your dreams as well. And so they brought Joseph before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I bet you can, I've heard you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, no, I can't. Only God can interpret dreams. Tell me your dream. And so Joseph interprets the dream clearly and says there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be seven years of prosperity followed by seven years of famine. If you're wise, so it wasn't 15 years. It would be seven plus two. That would be, I was right the first time. It would have been 20 years. So it's been 20 years since he was sold into slavery. I really ought to do some research before I do my before I do these devotions. Anyway, so um, so uh, so Pharaoh says, "Who's smarter to handle this than you are?" And God is certainly on your side. And so Pharaoh makes Joseph the second most powerful, the only person more powerful in Egypt than Joseph is Pharaoh. So for the seven years of prosperity, Joseph has been accumulating the the grain and the harvest to prepare for the seven years of famine. And when the years of famine come, everybody in the surrounding countries, in, uh, in, in Canaan, in Africa, where they're all starving without food, but Egypt has food and they're coming to Egypt for food. And who comes to food for Egypt but Joseph's brothers who'd sold him to slavery 20 years earlier. And they're terrified when Joseph reveals himself to them. But Joseph said, no, don't be afraid. God was orchestrating this all along. We talk about upper story and lower story. If you just look at the lower story, for, for, for 13 years in prison and as a slave, it made no sense what was going on to Joseph, what was going on in the lower story. Why would God do this to me? But then all of a sudden it did make sense. Oh, God is doing this for to preserve people, to save people, because there's a famine coming. And then when his brothers come for food, he realizes, oh, God is using this to save my family as well. The, the wonderful thing about Genesis chapter 45 is we get to see, it's one of those times where we get to see the upper story and the lower story together. Now it all makes sense. And so Jacob, Joseph's dad, and his, and, and his sons, Joseph's brothers, come and they live in the land of Goshen. And you might think, oh, it's happily ever after. I mean, yeah, the next episode is a wonderful episode. But then the upper story, lower story divert again because Joseph dies. There's a Pharaoh that rises who knows not Joseph. And so, yes, God brought Jacob and his family into Egypt to preserve them from that famine. But generations later, they'll be in Egypt as slaves. They'll spend 400 years in slavery as a result of Jacob coming to Egypt for food. And during those 400 years of, Egypt, of slavery in Egypt, can't you imagine how in the lower story, the people of Israel were like, what in the world is going? God has forgotten us. I'm sure they were convinced of it. They cried out to God. And it seemed like in the lower story, God was answering their prayer, was not answering, was it not even hearing their prayers? It was painful. It was difficult. It was suffering. But we see in the upper story, what was God doing in those 400 years? Four centuries of slavery 
God was growing his nation. So when those 400 years are up, God would send a deliverer and Moses, and they would leave Egypt with the wealth of Egypt. They would leave Egypt, maybe a million people strong, with great wealth. And when they leave Egypt, and God has presented this deliverer, and now they're free, it's again, it's one of those stories of, oh, now we understand why God allowed us to go through suffering and through, through, through pain, and why it seemed like he wasn't answering our prayers in that difficult time he was doing. He was up to something greater in the upper story. But that's not the end of the story. In the wilderness, God is ready to prepare them. He's ready to take them to the, to the promised land. He gives them a law. He sets up worship, but they won't follow him into the promised land. So what happens for 40 years, those people wander in the wilderness. And many must have wondered, why is God allowing us to suffer? Why is God allowing so much pain? This just doesn't make sense. Now today, people say, you know, it took um, 400 years of slavery for the people of Israel in Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the former slaves of Israel as they wandered through the, the wilderness. God raises up another generation. They take the promised land. And again, what's going on? It seems, okay, now we have a great, we have great victories again, but it is difficult. It is a struggle. It is trusting in God. They set up a temple eventually. All of these things. Why? Lower story. It is a struggle off and on. The people of Israel finally find themselves in, 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 in uh, captivity. What all is going on? God is using all of that, all that chaos in the lower story to prepare the people of God to send the Messiah. He's using all that in the lower story all of that setting up of worship to prepare people for the Lamb of God who will come and sacrifice himself and take away the sins of the world. We see the upper story every once in a while, but most of the time we live in the lower story and the lower story feels like chaos. It feels discouraging. It feels painful. Now, look at our lives today. Look at your life today? Are you facing anything that's chaotic, facing any suffering? You ever pray and wonder, why isn't God answering my prayers? Why is it so taking so long? In the lower story, we live in a day where things are uncertain, where the church is, people are, are leaving the church. Churches are, are smaller than ever, declining in attendance. Christian impact in the United States and in the world well, actually, in the in the Western world, is is declining. People are, um, are are throwing away Christian morals and values, and and becoming uh, less tolerant of Christian beliefs. In the lower story, you got to think sometimes: what is going on? Why is God allowing the pain and the chaos? And it's a really good time to remember that's how Joseph felt for 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. That's how the people of God felt in Egypt in 400 years in slavery. It felt chaotic, it felt painful to them, but one day they would look back and they would see, oh, God was in control the whole time. 
God was up to something greater than I could ever see or understand. And so what's most important for me right now? To be faithful and to trust in the one whom I cannot see and I do not always understand. Here again, the words of Joseph. When he says to his brothers, don't be grieved or angry with yourself for selling me here. God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. And God is up to something in our lives in this generation right now. Even though we don't understand the upper story, having an upper story perspective helps us to persevere and to be faithful and strong. So be joyful today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the perspective that we, you give us through your word, that there's so much chaos, so much pain and suffering, so much that it's hard to understand how you are at work in the middle of things. And yet at the end, we always see that you win, that those who are faithful to you, who believe in you, win. Now, Lord, help us to be the kind of people who want to share your love and truth with others so they can win, especially in difficult and chaotic times. Through Christ we pray. Amen. That was, it just kind of occurred to me as I was reading devotionally today or the other day. I hope it was helpful for you. It was helpful for me. If it was only helpful for me, thanks for listening. See you soon.